sweet intro, brother. <laughs> I love it. Just made that today. <laughs> uh, awesome. Episode 17 of the Mainline Marlins podcast. Big day today. We I got, can tell. You know, I, you know how I can tell it's a big day? I got a bunch of How papers. many pieces of paper you have on your and desk? And I can't even read. <laughs> I mean, at like a third grade level. So a couple things before I talk about the guests that we're going to have on shortly in the next like five minutes, five or ten minutes. Um, they are going to do a fan fest, Marlins Park, called Leading Off, um, March 20th from 3 to 8 p.m. So it's limited to 2,500 people. Kids will get to run the bases, hit the ball, play catch in the outfield, do all that good stuff. Um, if you're a Marlins member, you can uh, register to uh, fill out the form and get one of those uh, allocated tickets. Um, if not, you can use your uh, Marlins Home Run Rewards, and I think it's 10 points for each uh, entry for the sweepstakes to get into it. So that'll be March 20th from 3 to 8. Another sign. Starts today. The actual today. the sweepstakes for the people that don't aren't Marlins members starts today. I think it's from now to the 15th, so they can register. Uh, on There she is. Awesome. We don't even have to go into all this drone <laughs> stuff. So let me let me just before we bring her on, Kelly Sacco, currently the sideline re reporter uh, for Fox Sports Florida, producer and host of Marlins Clubhouse, Marlins All Access, Marlins Prospect Spotlight, and Baseball 101. Local girl, bring her on, Kelly Sacco. Hi. Hey, Hi. Kelly, what's me? up? We, we can, can hear you perfectly. On? Hey, so listen here okay. here at the welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, taking the time today. I know you're super busy. Um, but here at Mainline Marlins, we're celebrating Women's History Month, uh, highlighting women in sport, and we picked you to be that person today. Lucky you. So we're going to flip the script on you and talk a little bit about your accomplishments. Miami native, you went to Palmetto, um, 2008 state championship team captain, pitcher and first baseman, 2006-2007 State Farm Sportsmanship Award, 2007 South Dade Newsleader MVP of the Year, 2006 and 2008 Miami Herald Pitcher of the Year. Hold on, I gotta catch my breath. Three times, oh, almost no, I almost missed one. A good one too. 2007 Miami Herald Hitter of the Year, three-time Florida uh, Dairymen's Association Pitcher of the Year. One more breath. 2006 Miami Herald First Team All Day, three times uh, All State selection. 2008 All Star Team, 2008 EA Sports First Team All American, ESPN Rod Student Athlete, 2008 ASA Softball Magazine Co Player of the Year. Miami Palmetto Athletic Hall of Fame, three-time MVP, 2008 Palmetto Athlete of the Year. And that's not even talking about Syracuse. <laughs> so where, where <laughs> went, Those are just your Dade credentials. That's just Palmetto. And then you got four Boy. years at, <laughs> you got four years at, at Syracuse playing first base, hit 19 homers, 72 RBI, and a career slug in 367. Pretty awesome. You know, um, very fortunate. <laughs> you guys are taking me back. Goodness. Now I'm all like flattered and I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot about all those things. But um, yeah, those were some wonderful times and my best memories. And uh, yeah, thanks for bringing those memories back. They're all coming. Good, back. good. <laughs> and you know what? Here's an interesting fact, because uh, we had Christina DiNicola on. You guys wore both wore number 13, which I thought was kind of a like well, an interesting uh, trivia question. Uh, yes, I wore number 13 because of my father. Uh, he was born on the 13th. And, uh, yeah, we just always kind of saw it as a 
everyone says it's unlucky and kind of prove them wrong type of a thing. So uh, lucky number 13. And uh, Dan Marino was, of course, you know, my dad's a Miami native as well, born and raised here. So Dan Marino was one of his favorites. So that always helped. Awesome. And you come from a sports family. Your mom was an Olympic swimmer. Your brother swam at LSU. Michael. Um, yes, did he do yes. the Olympic trials also? My brother went to two Olympic trials, um, and he was a fantastic swimmer um, at LSU. My sister, I always say this to everybody. I'm like, I always give props to my sister. My brother's a twin with my sister, and we joke around because my brother and I are the ones who went off to uh, play collegiate sports. We always joke that if my sister wanted to, she would be so much better than the both of us. She was just like the most naturally talented one. I was all like, man, I wish I had your arm. Or uh, she was an incredible swimmer as well, but she kind of told my parents, she's like, no, I want a life when I go to college. And they're like, all right. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, yes, a very athletic family. And my mom, of course, with the Olympics um, as well, Montreal, Canada. So Kelly, are you are you living the dream covering the Marlins for, for Fox Sports Florida or what? How, how much fun is that? It's so much fun. It's, it's a dream I never really knew I had. Um, I wasn't one of those kids uh, growing up saying, man, I want to I, I wanna cover sports. I want to be on TV. I, I was a, a little bit too busy playing the sports to, to watch other people do it. And honestly, talking in front of people was terrifying to me. Even though I had like a bit of a bubbly personality, I absolutely hated um, speaking in front of people. I remember in class in high school, I used to think uh, watching the kids on morning announcements, I'd be like, oh, they're crazy. I would never do that. Goodness. Absolutely not. And it wasn't until um, I got a scholarship to play softball at Syracuse that I always knew I wanted to be involved in sports because I loved it. It was my whole life. I always thought, okay, maybe the sports medicine or something along the lines of that. And it was my mother who suggested, she's like, well, you like to talk. They've got a great broadcast school. Why don't you try this out? And I was like, okay, sure. It was a challenge. I knew it was going to take me out of my comfort zone. And I kind of wanted to push myself and haven't looked back since. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, we think you're great. You, we actually got to hear your call on the game last week, which I thought was awesome. So and I, 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 I wanted so much. I appreciate that. I thought, I thought you were awesome. And I, I got to tell you something. I loved uh, you were talking about uh, the Sidewinder and about different grips. And I was really reflecting on, you know, this idea of just diversity in the coverage of sports, right? We've seen a sea change. And I thought it was such a, just a little, it was a little tiny thing, but your insight into how, you know, the ball comes from a different level and, you know, you, you exchanging and talking to people about different grips and stuff because the ball comes from the same thing. So I just, I just wanted to tell you that. And I want to tell you as the, uh, the, the dad of an eight-year-old who plays, who play, you know, I, I don't know how your experience was. I want to talk about your youth baseball experience, but you know, she plays on a, she's the only girl on the team, right? She's the only, she's got the little blonde ponytail sticking out of her. And uh, you know, for her to see, to see who, you know, to see you and see you, you know, to see women, I can't tell you how important it is. Like she notices, right? She will notice, you know, you announcing a game. She will notice the interview. So thanks for all you do. Oh, goodness. I mean, I'm flattered. And uh, I guess I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the woman who came before me. But I love hearing that. That's absolutely awesome. And I absolutely love it when the little girls are the only ones amongst the boys playing. Um, you know, I, I played on you know, girls teams as well. But I, I always felt that I fit in better with guys. Um, just from that athlete standpoint, I love to compete. And uh, yeah, so I love that. I love that she's out there. So tell her. Uh, good yeah, luck. Yeah, go cool. ahead. Bye. 
I'm going to get fired. What was we we have Grant Miller? We're you know we're here at the hub of community news. Uh, we have Grant Miller here, who's been involved in youth baseball. Tell us real quick, what was the breakdown of the youth baseball? You guys, though, your, your video went out, so I'm just I'm just hearing. So I'm sorry if I'm not reacting to seeing you guys. Um, no, that's all right. <laughs> so, what was your youth baseball experience? Where where did you play down here? Oh goodness, it was so wonderful. I I, I tell my parents that all the time, and the people who um who are still around the sport all the time. I loved my youth experience down here. I played for the Howard Palmetto Quarry League when I was really really young. We were at Chapman Field, and then we moved to what's now Evelyn Greer Park. And um, I think now the girls play at Palmetto Bay Park, which is so beautiful. I played there my senior year of high school, I believe, is when the park opened up. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. You know what I really loved about my youth experience in softball and sports in general was that it was fun. I think that South Florida, and it's, it's so wonderful that we get to play all year round and the competition is so huge. But I think at a certain age that people lose sight that it needs to be fun for the kids. Um, or they get burnt out and they don't get to make it to these high levels um, or they get injured. So it was fun. And that's what came first in the beginning. And when I was a kid, it was fun when it was supposed to be fun. And it was just something that you did. And we couldn't wait till the game was over to race to the snack bar and go get our snacks. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I'll have to do humble brag, right? We had like so many seasons. I think I, am, I, think I played eight seasons in rec league. Got first place in um, seven of the eight and second place in that last one. But um, it was just it was just amazing experiences. Opened so many opportunities, so many friends who I stay in touch with nowadays. So it was really, really great. Me and my dad and our friends, we still talk about those glory days of the, in the yeah. Red League. Grant just love- says your coach was uh, Coach Gator. Oh, yes. Gator. Love-hate relationship with Gator. <laughs> No, right he's on. the absolute best. Uh, Gator toughened us up and was ready for everything. You know, um, had us ready for pretty much anything that life really threw us throughout there for us. Um, Gator was a wonderful coach, and although I didn't always love him when I was playing, when he was making me la- run laps on laps on laps, and people were joking that we were the Palmetto track team and not the Palmetto softball team, <laughs> uh, it's because of him that I was able to go and pitch. I think it was like 19 innings and 24 hours. Um, my senior year because I was just so in shape to do that because <laughs> we were we were conditioned like no other. Uh, but awesome. yes, big shout out to Gator. One last thing about the, the youth experience. So I, I'm an attorney and I fly to Tallahassee, you know, a fair amount for, for different legal things. And to talk about the strength of South Florida softball, very rarely am I on that flight when there is not an FSU you know, uh, uh, either a Palmetto or like, you know, someone heading back up there, right. Or parents going up to watch a game or, you know, you really see the South Florida connection. Those flights always have softball players or parents coming back and forth from uh, South Florida. I love it. I really do. I love it. It's a hotbed for sports. I'm it's always bragging about it. <laughs> you know, just like Florida. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's great. It's great seeing all the young talent. And I, I coach a little bit on the side. I do some, private softball lessons. So I just love, you know, coaching the girls and just seeing how talented they are. Awesome. So let's take, take a minute to talk about spring training in the Marlins, MLB power rankings and Pakota both picked us dead last in the division. We just did a highlighted an article that bleacher report uh, did yesterday saying that we had the fifth worst lineup in baseball on paper, on paper, worst lineup 
I don't see that coming off a divisional playoff, uh, especially with the addition of Adam Duvall and these bullpen arms that seem to be pretty decent other than Detweiler's like rough outing the other day. What's your take on where they see us finishing in the division? So last year, I don't know if you guys, uh, how close you guys had paid attention. I'm sure very close. I'm sure this is no, not news to you. Well, one of my favorite shirts, and I should have worn it, um, is the Miami Bottom Feeders shirt. So for people who, uh, I guess, may not have fallen it as closely as, um, as, as really big fans, pretty much early on in the year, I think it was the very first, uh, the very first series. It was against the Phillies, a broadcast from the Phillies called the Marlins bottom feeders. They're pretty much saying like, Hey, like the Phillies can't be losing to the bottom feeders. Like these, you know, the Marlins, they're bottom feeders. Like they're awful. Well, the guys took that to heart and they're like bottom feeders. So the entire season after they win and they give each other high five, great job, bottom feeder, great job, bottom feeder. Like you're a bottom feeder and they kind of embraced it. And I think it was that underdog mentality. Like, Oh, you don't think you could, we can do it. Well, watch this. And I think that's one of their strengths in that they love proving people wrong. The culture that they've really built, it's it's a complete 180. I've been around the team for a long time. And these guys, they're so exciting to watch. Um, they believe that they can do it. And that's like half the battle, you know? It's like they don't believe when people sit there and they say, oh, they're gonna be last in the division. Like, okay, watch this type of a thing. And, and yes, there's a lot of competition in the NL East. But, you know, manager Don Mattingly had actually said he thinks it's a good thing because people are going to be beating each other up the entire time. So I don't know if they, it's, it's not one of those like runaway divisions. Right. I think you look at the um, the NL uh, Central, for instance, where everyone's like, man, the Cardinals, if they don't run away with it, then there's there's something wrong. Right. Because everyone else in division is just really struggling. And um, I think that plays to their advantage. They Adam added Adam Duvall. That's another Big bat in the lineup. He's been doing fantastic. He was doing great for the Braves. It always beat up on the Marlins. So nice to have him on our side. And I think it's just another really underlooked lineup. And I think they kind of prefer it that way. They like to prove people wrong. So, and I've loved watching them. Awesome. One of the things that we've been following is the battle for second base between Asan Diaz and Jazz. And we were at that game against Houston when, when Jazz hit that second pitch home run to start off the spring training season. Do you think there's a front runner in that race or is it kind of head to head still like neck and neck? I, I think it really is still neck and neck. I mean, both of those guys, they're competitors. Um, Isan Diaz, he's always kind of had a little bit of a streak where if you followed him throughout the minor leagues, he would always struggle in the beginning and then all of a sudden just turn it on and then struggle in the beginning. And then all of a sudden something would click and he'd turn it on and, and Donnie said, he's like, hey, we're expecting the same thing to kind of happen here. He struggled early on in his major league career. And they're like, we think that that light's going to turn. And you see him a little bit more composed. And Jazz Chisholm, I mean, how much fun is he? How much fun is he to watch? He's got all this energy. And, and uh, you know, he's a great ball player and a very athletic guy. So I think that's going to be a neck-to-neck competition one. Uh, and that's a good, that's a good uh, problem to have, right? That's something that this organization hasn't had, that depth where, you know, Let's say one guy wins it, the next guy's in the minor. God forbid someone gets injured, and that happens a lot, right? The next guy's ready to go, and he's just as good. Right, right. Um, and then there, there's some other prospects that I think have a real chance of making the roster, like J.J. Blade. Um Yeah, we'll leave that. Not so quick. What What is your take on J.J. Blade? It's, it's like he's spitting that paradigm of, I dare you to send me down. He's playing really well, huh? J.J. Blade, I remember when he was drafted along, I think Cameron Meisner was in the same draft class as he was, 
And I remember it was, it was 2019, back before we were all doing the Zoom thing. And I remember going to interview both of them and thinking the first thing that came to my mind and they were taking BP with the team. I'm like, man, he looks like he already fits in here, both of them. But I'm like, they look like they already fit in. They're just so polished in every aspect. I mean, big guys, big, strong guys polished i mean just everything's very smooth the power's there five tool guy so it, it's really exciting seeing what a jj bladet and and like cameron meisner was also in that same draft class i mean these guys look like they're just ready to go now so um yeah he's he's been a lot of fun a lot of fun to watch like you said dare i dare you to send me down but there's so much competition in the outfield too so it's going to be really interesting um again you can't have too many players and that was an, a, an issue for the organization's past right i mean we've got a very veteran outfield right now you've got a magnery sierra for instance who just keeps on getting better keeps on getting better in his out of options right so you're like okay we got to keep mags you assume they're going to keep mags and then you know got, still got lewis brinson you still got like a monte harrison so there's just an abundance of outfielders so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But again, that internal competition, that's something they've been preaching and we've been seeing. And uh, yeah, it's its exciting. I very much so like J.J. Bloodeye. I have one other outfield question. It's been interesting. I, I really didn't know what to expect from Wilkerson coming in. Dickerson. And and he really... Um, from Dickerson? You know, he, Dickerson. I'm sorry, what did I say? Wilkerson? Yeah. Dickerson. I, I really like, I've really been blown. Like he, he's, he's shown up ready to play. Like he, he is, you know, he's ready to take that position. What has been your. I think you cut out there at the very end, but I think it was along the lines of my impression on Corey Dickerson, man. It's not okay. My favorite movie is Miracle on Ice, the Disney one about the 19, you know, 80 Olympics team, right? The ice hockey team. And there's like a quote there that I use all the time because it's so true. It's like, it's not just about the best players, right? It's about the right ones. The Marlins brought in the right guys. A guy like Corey Dickerson, that's another guy who he said, he's like, man, I feel like I've been put in a box my entire career and I'm constantly proving people wrong. And man, has he ever. I mean, that's a guy who not only like produces, he's that veteran guy, that veteran leader that these guys respect so much. Um, He's been fantastic on the field, him along with I mean, everyone else. I'm a Starling Marte who we picked up at the trade deadline last year. Phenomenal. Um, so many guys, when you ask them, the younger guys and the younger prospects, hey, who have you been talking to? Is there anyone you've been clicking? I mean, Corey Dickerson's name always comes up. So from a leadership perspective, and of course, what he can do on the field is incredible as well. So the stability in the outfield is really, really nice. Um, he was asked to about these young guys, which he's very, very impressed by. He loves uh, sharing his knowledge and trying to help them out. He said, too, which made a really, really good point, that this veteran outfield takes the pressure off of the J.J. Bladets, right, the Lewis Brinsons, the Monte Harrisons, because they don't have – it's not all on them, right? They don't, they're not carrying the weight of the world on them. So I think that's just another – thing that a Corey Dickerson brings but uh yeah I think it was a great huge pickup for the Marlins and I don't really think there's anyone who disagrees with me right now right on so one of the things we were talking about before the show was the the group of guys that we signed the uh, bullpen guys that we signed in the offseason um, we haven't seen Dylan Floro yet but as any of those guys stood out to you like they're hitting their they're going to hit their groove when opening day comes along 
that sticks out to me the most about the bullpen is really just like the different looks. I mean, what we were talking about side armors, um, right in the beginning of the show, I think you're bringing up something that I had spoken about uh, last Friday, but I think just the different looks and uh, the different options. I know that they even have a couple guys who might be starters in the long run, but it might be short end guys um, to start off. So I think just with the bullpen, um, they've added a lot of arms, so they've strengthened that bullpen. And it's not just a lot of the same type of throwers. It's a lot of different looks, which is going to keep people off balance, which at the end of the day is what you want to try to do. Right. I, Go ahead. I, you know, you're a former pitcher. I, I found last year's games very interesting watching. It, it was painful, but it was interesting watching Donnie uh, kind of cobble together and try to keep those games. And those games are always, it was like too exciting, right? Everything was always exciting. What do you see happening this year? Like, what's the the energy coming in? Like, how how do they integrate the new arms? Like, what 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 is your prediction of how this is all going to look? In 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 what sense? And just like the new rules type of thing? And just no, no, going just, from sixty. Yeah, just just the team. I mean, you look at just like the the lack of left handers, the kind of focus on the different approaches. It's just, I find it, I, you know, it's like that, would you, I guess I'd start with this. Like, do you agree that was our biggest weakness last year? The bullpen was a, a, an area that they struggled in a little bit last year. Um, I know when it comes to the rotation, Donnie was actually asked about, about lack of left-handers and he was like, listen, you know, for us, we're looking for the best guys. Who's going to do the best job? It really isn't necessarily, we need to make sure we have this, so many guys, you know, this many lefties in the rotation and this many guys and, um, it's it's more of who's doing the best job and, and, and showing them what they need to see. So, um, yeah, the games were <laughs> extremely exciting. Um, I think that the addition of a couple of the rules, like the man on second base, right, and extra inning rules, um, I think they're bringing also it's the seven-inning doubleheaders that's also continuing. Those are factors that I think added to that excitement of the game. Um, I think it worked, like this, the man on second base, for instance, um, in extra innings, kind of played to the Marlin strength. There's a lot of speed, a lot of really athletic guys. So uh, I think those are also things that really add to the excitement of the game and in the way that the game and um, is managed. Now, no DH thus far, so they say. Um, that's going to be interesting, too. Pitchers didn't hit last year. So, Kelly, when, did, when are you going to call your next game? When's your next chance to be in the uh, booth? I'm looking at my schedule right now. It's right over there. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, awesome. So the seventeenth, a week from today. St. Patrick's today, Day. I've got three, yes, St. Patrick's Day. Yes, I've got three games. I might jump on the sixteenth with uh, Mr. Kyle Seeloff on the dot com game, which isn't on the radio, but you know, streamed. But right we'll on. See. We'll see if I can if I can do that. But yeah, so six seventeenth uh, right now. All right, so I follow you on Twitter, and we're gonna. I want to make sure that we can give the uh, listeners and the people that are watching this all your handles for social media. So tell me how we can follow you on, on Twitter, Instagram, and all those things. Oh, goodness. Um, my professors at Syracuse, they were like, there's this new thing called Twitter, and we want you guys to be on it. And I thought it was the silliest thing in the entire world. I literally saved it on my phone as Twitter with parentheses seriously. I thought it was, it was before they had an app. We used to have to like text it in. And uh, yeah, so right there, pretty simple. Um, Kelly Sacco, and then awesome. Instagram Kelly Sacco underscore sports. So uh, pretty straightforward. Type my name, you'll find me. 
Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Before we let you go, we had one question that we didn't know the answer to. They're playing with the live ball now, correct? They are playing with the new MLB baseball. Yes, because that was something I was very, very, very curious about. So it's funny that you brought up. But yes, from uh, according to my sources, I guess I could say, uh, from everything I've read and everything, um, everyone I've asked, yes, they have the new baseballs. The new baseballs are a little bit lighter. I think it's like 2.8 grams, something along the lines of that. And um, one of the, and I want to make sure I'm wording this correctly, one of the um, wool, like the wool layers in the inside of the baseball isn't woven as tightly. So, um, yes, they're playing with the new baseballs, and so far, so good. So, and so a little so bit far, more consistent. And so far, what, as far as power numbers, has anyone looked at it? I mean, they seem like we've, seen, we've been seeing home runs. Well, what they think, and, and from what I've read, they don't expect the, ma- the power numbers to change um, nearly as much. So, okay, if you look back in 2017, that was a year that, was that the year that I think Giancarlo almost hit 60? I think it was. Um, 2017 was a year that MLB broke the home run record, the then home run record. The balls were still, no, there were no complaints with the balls back then. The complaint started starting, I believe, uh, 2018, 2019 was really the big year where all of a sudden it like exploded, right? So that record was completely demolished in 2019. So they're expecting home run numbers to be more like 2017, where it was still a big home run year in comparison to years coming before that. So I think they said, um, I don't have the exact number in front of me right now, but I think baseballs hit further than 375 feet that they think that those will drop down like maybe a couple feet. So they don't expect a huge drastic change. And it's really those monster hits that would have been home runs anyway. So um, instead of hitting the glass Marlins park, it might end like at the Budweiser bar, (laughs) but um, yeah, so they're not expecting anything huge from what I've read. Uh, People seem to like it. The seams seem to be more consistent. So, yes, I haven't had a chance to ask our guys that yet. But, um, yeah, so they're using the baseball. And I got one last question. Um, We're so jealous that you're there every day. What what team – has any team in our pod, I'll call it, you know, in our – in our our, what is our 16 pod, anyone – has any team surprised you so far? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I'm, I, I wish I was there every day. I'm not there every single day, so I haven't seen everybody. Um, no, you know, I feel like I can't answer that fairly because I haven't seen everyone. So I think it's just the in the first week, you know, we're in what, in the second or third week? Second week? I lose track of time. Have you guys felt that too in 2021 yeah. slash 2020? What day of the week is it? Where am I? Type of <laughs> like, how many games are we in? Like two weeks, right? Two weeks, almost three weeks in. Um, it's not really anyone who's like, oh my goodness, like they're huge. But I also haven't seen everybody, so I feel like well, the only, so I, I, the only thing I would I would answer, I would answer from my perspective. I've enjoyed seeing how bad the Mets are. Yep, they're bad. I always love watching how bad the Mets are. Though I have to say, I've always been like, a, oh, the Mets, they're the rival I don't like the most. That's changed for me recently. It has gone from the Mets being someone who I was very much like, oh, I just want to beat the Mets, got to beat the Mets. 
to more of the Phillies and the Braves. Oh, right. Oh, for sure. I, we wrote an article here, just so you know. Uh, again, we're here at the hub of community news, and we wrote in Mainline Marlins, you know, spring into baseball. And I was able to slip uh, into the article, the hated Atlanta Braves. That's how they're referred to here. I'm with you there. I'm with you. Um, yeah, they have shot up on my list. Of, I, I haven't decided who I who I dislike more, the Braves or the Phillies. But the Mets have dropped down a little bit. Um, me and my dad would always joke around. We're like, as long as you beat, beat the Mets, right? Okay, being from Miami, the Mets, the Jets. As long as you beat those two, like you're happy. You can lose every game if you're the Dolphins. But as long as you beat the Jets twice, like we're good. Um, that was kind of a similar approach with the Mets, but now no, they've dropped down a couple notches and, and now the uh, Braves and the Phillies are kind of tied for who I dislike more. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Kelly, we'd love to get you to come back on like as the season progresses and give us your perspective, you know, being that close to the field. Kelly's not going to come back. We, we've, we've done this like a deposition. So yeah, I, promise I already time. kept her longer than I said I would. I feel terrible, but. We'd love to have you come no, back please. on, I'll, and I'll email you and, and and follow up. But we're just so happy that you we, were able to be here and help us celebrate women. We're on we're on Team Kelly Sacco, so appreciate everything you do. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And hi to everyone in the chat over there. I didn't want to get distracted with my ADD and start, like, typing, hi, how you doing, and then not hear your questions. So hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, <laughs> Kelly. We'll talk to you real soon, okay? Bye, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, that was awesome. Just great. Yeah, man. That's two back-to-back -back really strong baseball girls. Yeah, baseball girls. It was baseball girls. I, I, um, you know, it's interesting. We have this, you know, like I have this, you know, my eight-year-old daughter, and I talked to you know, The other day I asked her, I said, do you know that it's Women's Month, you know, and we celebrate the accomplishments of women? And you know, she was like, no. And I said, you're not talking about it in school? And she said, no. And it's funny that we're embracing it so much because the Marlins have embraced it. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're here we are with these very strong female voices on a game that we love. And it's right. just such a positive. And no, yeah. and I think the Marlins are pioneers, man. They're, they're trailblazers in that, in that aspect, which is awesome. So, hey, dude, we got to go finish we these papers. Finish, yeah, because finish I mean, up these papers, all these man. papers, man. What's going on? <laughs> So <clears throat> I did talk about leading off, which is uh, basically FanFest at the beginning of the show. Um, they are going to use drones to disinfect the stadium on special flight patterns and be able to cover these. I just saw that story today. And then let's talk about the uh, Edward Cabrera right-handed pitcher option to AAA. And then a bunch of guys uh, reassigned um, of the notable ones, I would say, uh, Cameron Meisner, uh, Zach McCambly, the pitcher who we didn't get to see, um, Peyton Burdick, who you did a uh, highlight on, and some others. And then let's just talk. Let me just roll through the lineup. Today's st our starting pitcher is Trevor Rogers. Uh, tonight, rare night game. Tonight, tonight at six fifteen. Um, six fifteen, and then um, they're pitching the Mexican kid or Kitty again, which we saw him, didn't yeah, we? we? Or was yep? Did we watch that kid? Uh, so here we go. I'm just going to re read off the lineup, and then we'll fire this thing off. Uh, uh, leading off and playing center field, Starling Marte. Batting second and DH, Corey, your boy, Corey Dickerson. Uh, playing first, uh, Jesus Aguilar. Don't mess with the Jesus. Uh, cleaning up, Garrett Cooper, who's been playing really well lately. Uh, but he's going to play starting right. Brian Anderson at third. Batting fifth, Adam, uh, Adam Duvall 
six playing left field, which is not his normal position. Jazz Chisholm playing second, Jorge O'Farrell catching, and Miggy at short with Trevor uh, Trevor Rogers pitching. So this should be good. Good stuff. I'm looking forward awesome. to it. Grant's back in. Grant, you know what I a great say, show. I had two reactions to the Gator reback uh, comment. One, I called him and asked about my daughter playing uh, softball, and you know what his answer was? Play with the boys as long as you can. That was his answer, and That's she did. It. She said the same thing. She played with the boys as long as she could. And the second thing is, it reminds you of her response about a coach. It was such a great reaction to a coach. It reminds you there was a coach for the New York Rangers. I can't remember the name of it. And they asked the player, uh, like, how? What did you think of that coach? And he says, Well, 364 days of the year, I hated that guy, and on the 365th day, I went and picked up my championship ring. Nice. <laughs> All right. Episode seventeen, Mainline in the books. Yeah, Grant hasn't uh, Grant hasn't pulled the plug yet. Every time he walks in the room, yeah, it scares I'm me. He's gonna I'm, pull the plug. Yeah, like we're gonna get a little uh, pink slip in the in our locker. <laughs> anyway, Denise, way to go! You killed it. Thanks, Denise. Close Thanks for out. watching, everybody. Preview.